0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Unauthorized Disclosure Podcast. This is the episode for April 6, 2014. I'm your host, Kevin Gastola, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ranya Kalek. Hello, Ranya. Hey, Kevin. And we're doing a special episode for this week. We've decided to dedicate an entire topic. We're doing an entire topic here, looking at a Palestinian solidarity activism, particularly on campus. And we're giving attention to how campus administrators are uh, clamping down on activism, uh, how we've got uh, other student groups that are uh, going after students who engage in this activism. Uh, We're giving some attention to the climate Uh, That is growing, it seems, across the nation as, uh, in fact, in some states there have been uh, anti-boycott resolutions that are brought against the boycott, divestment, sanctions movement. Uh, So... Uh, I just quickly, Rania, you know, you want to introduce the people who we're going to be bringing on before we maybe give a few more comments before we proceed to the interviews.
1: Yeah, so we interviewed several people. Uh, the first one we're going to play for you is Iman Shahad, which is he's a professor at Columbia College who teaches a class, a very popular class on the Israel-Palestine conflict. And um, he screened uh, the the. Oscar nominated, uh, film, a documentary film, um, five broken cameras. I think it was like last semester. Uh, and because of that, uh, a student anonymously complained, uh, that he was being biased. And, uh, as a result, the, um, the college canceled one of his classes. Uh, and so, you know, it's, and he talks, he goes into detail about the issues surrounding that, um, which have a very racial element to them. Uh, he's Palestinian, so Palestinian-American. Um, and then we also speak to two students at the University of Michigan, uh, Suha Najar and Fada uh, Erzuki, who are co-chairs at the University of Michigan Students Allied for Equality, which um, is the basically like the Palestine Solidarity Group there. Um, and they've been doing excellent work. They brought a divestment resolution to the student government a few weeks ago. Um, and then they did a sit-in for a week because the student government wouldn't vote on the resolution. So they forced them to vote on the resolution. Um, and it was, I mean, I, you know, I watched the live stream of it. It was really incredible to watch. and. Uh, these girls are just so smart and really young and doing really amazing work. And they've been really, I mean, you know, them and their group, they've been very bullied um, by the pro-Israel groups and pro-Israel students. And we talk, we talk about that and, you know, they've been been—they've had these sort of baseless charges of antisemitism leveled against them. Uh, and uh, some of the most ridiculous ones <laughs> actually appearing in, uh, you know, in uh, neocon outlets like the Washington Free Beacon, which you'll hear about as well. So, um, and then after that, we talked to a student at uh, at Northeastern University. She is the president of the Students for Justice in Palestine chapter there. Uh, well, former president because they have been banned. Uh, they've been suspended uh, for leafleting uh, <laughs> because uh, because of like you know complaints from pro-Israel students and uh, and so that we talk about that as well. I mean, the probably the that's probably the most repressive environment or repressive tactics that have been used um, taking place at Northeastern. So it's really important to hear about that. Um, So, yeah, this is something that's happening all around the country. Uh, And it it definitely goes beyond just Palestine activism on campus. I mean, this is something that that is, you know, that could easily and will easily seep into other kinds of activism that are deemed um, too controversial. Uh, So, you know, it's really this is a really, really important topic. These are significant developments. Um, and we should all be paying attention.
0: Yeah, these are tactics that generally could be used to stamp out any sort of dissent on campus. So, regardless of the uh, issue that people are organizing around, uh, we believe that this is something significant uh, to give attention to. And I just want to say up the front, up at the front here, because I, I didn't raise it in the interview with Iman. That I just want a full disclosure. And say that I am a graduate of Columbia College, Chicago. Uh, this is my alma mater, and I sort of felt like I had a responsibility to give coverage uh, to this story. Um, not because I I am interested in these issues, but I also felt like you know if I was enrolled right now, I certainly would be speaking out. Uh, and this is an arts and communication college, which is sort of one of the things that I. When I wrote about this, I highlighted because I found it really remarkable that what really set this off, the reason why Ayman's uh, academic freedom was ultimately violated, centered around the screening of a film at, at a school that prides itself on trying to get students to, you know, quote unquote, author the culture of their times. And quote, and it, it would just seem that this would be something that the university would want to embrace. But I guess in the larger picture, as we are putting this into the context of of the nation and, and what happens around uh, being an unable to discuss and have debates uh, about. Palestinians and Israelis and and what's happening in Israel and the Palestinian territories, it just shows you the sort of, uh, how easy it is for even the most open, uh, traditionally open climates to become repressive when these subjects become a part of, uh, of, of the environment.
1: And to be clear, this type of repression is taking place because of the influence of, of pro-Israel groups, um, there, I mean, there is a there is a huge, there is a massive campaign, a well like a well funded, well coordinated effort by pro-Israel organizations, both on campus and off campus, to um, to suppress this kind of activism, to label this kind of activism as um, as bigoted, uh, to basically call it racist, to to uh, to advocate for freedom of for the freedom of Palestinians, for equality in, in Palestine-Israel. Um, and I really encourage you to, you know, to to read about it in Ali Abunima's new book, The Battle for Justice in Palestine. Um, if you're not familiar with it, it's an excellent book that, you know, it's a— uh, it, you know, Ali really goes into explaining sort of the interconnections and the intersections between what's happening in Palestine and other— uh, and other, you know, forms of racial oppression around the world, really, but mostly in America. But he also has a chapter in his book called "The War on Campus" that really, like, that gives a comprehensive overview of what's taking place, the people that are behind it, and how they're using, um, how they're using, like, l- legal mechanisms, civil rights laws, even to try and stifle activism on campus. I mean, it's really gross and disgusting and. And something that should concern all of us, because it's like, I mean, when you think about it, it it's it's essentially, um, it's essentially people who are, you know, ideologically invested in a settler colonial state, uh, using their resources to suppress the activism predominantly being done by people of color, um, you know, uh, advocating for freedom and equality. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so it's a, it's a very, very important topic. And, um, you know, I really hope that, you know, everybody listening gets, gets, you know, get, gets a, a better understanding of what's happening from these interviews.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll get to the interviews quickly, but just a quick note before we proceed. In fact, in Illinois, right, uh, this week, they tried to pass an academic boycott resolution uh, that would have basically prohibited students on campuses from engaging in boycotts just generally boycotts would have been mostly uh, banned because it would have been wrong to you know boycott one country when there were other countries that were violating human rights uh, so to prevent people from engaging in activism around Palestinian issues uh, they were just going to say all right end to this kind of speech um, and it failed uh, which is a good thing but just to point out how they are using the actual legal mechanisms, uh, this is a very real thing. Uh, anything final you want to say, Rania, before we <gasps> yeah, dive in? Yeah, I,
1: I do. I want to. I just want to give a. You know, I just want to give a shout out and point out that you should also read this really excellent piece that Max Blumenthal wrote at Mondo Weiss about. Um, Specifically about the what happened on the universe, at the University of Michigan, he was there during the divestment vote. Uh, it's called a painful price, the escalating war on Palestine solidarity at U of Michigan and beyond. Um, and it's a really great piece, and just kind of gives a sense of like, through, from this one campus, like what is taking place, the kind of the kind of bullying and intimidation efforts and racist effort, like race, racist bullying that's taking place by by pro-Israel students and. You know, pro-Israel ideologues. Um, so I really encourage you to read it, and I'll link to it in the, you know, in the um, in the post I put up about the episode.
0: All right, thanks, everybody. If you have any recommendations for future topics that we should get into and and dedicate special episode to to that topic, uh, feel free to tweet at us at the unauthorized uh, dis. Twitter account, which is u n a u t h o r i z e d d i s. That's the handle, uh, and we'd be happy and we'd be happy to um, consider that because we feel like doing more of these in the future. So thank you and enjoy the episode. Hello, Iman. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, the first question I have for you is if you could just describe what happened on campus, this this complaint, for people who are unfamiliar with how this started, the problem that you, you had. Can you talk about that?
2: Well, sure. So I, I teach a class called the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, which I designed and put together in 2010. I uh, originally started off with uh, one section as a pilot course. Um, later on, the class began to be... Uh, very popular. We went up to three sections at one point. And so uh, the class has been popular. It has been a class that uh, students always want to register for. But as you know, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict discussion is not without uh, any um, passion or controversy and so forth. And so there's been uh, some uh, um, allegations of, of bias or what have you in the past about some of the Language and some of the material that I bring into the class, such as discussing the occupation. Um, my assignments have been uh, criticized before, uh, for example, we have a uh, an assignment where at the end of the semester for a final, students have to uh, solve the israeli palestinian conflict, and so uh, that is uh, uh, within the um, realm of a one-state or a two-state solution. I've had students uh, complain about that because some people believe that this land is exclusive to a particular group of people. So so the last few years have been great in teaching the class, uh, but as I said again, uh, it has not been without any... controversy. The most recent issue was in October of 2013, where I showed the uh, Academy Academy Award-nominated film, Five Broken Cameras, which is uh, an excellent film about the occupation of Palestine. And so uh, it it achieves one of the core objectives of my class, which is to give students uh, an understanding uh, from a human perspective. We discuss politics and theory and so forth. But once the students actually see uh, the The actual occupation uh, it really is beneficial to the overall um, enrichness of the uh, of the class and so uh, because it gives them a a frame of reference to the occupation I, in October, I showed the film and I had a student uh, complain that the class was biased according to the administration. I never met the student uh, to uh, speak. Uh, to them. Uh, I never was given an opportunity to talk to, to the student about this allegation. So they contacted the administration. They said that the uh, uh, I was biased for showing the film. Uh, then I, was, uh, I received an email from the chair of the uh, Department of uh, Humanities, History, and Social Sciences. It's a department that I teach for, uh, to come down and, and talk about um, an, an issue which was never identified. So I went to the chair and we spoke. Now on that same day, I had received my assignment for the following semester, which would be this semester, for two sections of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict course. At the meeting, I was told by the chair that the student had said that I was biased for showing the film. This, the, the chair, Stephen Corey, uh, counseled me on, the, uh, on balance. Uh, as far as the presentation of information is concerned, and when I asked why the student hadn't come to me or, or why they didn't ask the student to come to me, the response was that when he was in college, he had uh, been intimidated by uh, an African American professor that uh, apparently had a um, did not like the the white students uh, in the classroom, and so. Uh, he also asked for my qualifications. Now, keep in mind, I've been teaching at Columbia College for uh, over uh, six years. It'll be seven years in in, in August. And so uh, with that, um, I left the meeting, and a few days later, one of my sections uh, for the Israeli-Palestinian conflict course was uh, eliminated. Uh, now, mind you, I had already received the contract, uh, the class had already gone on registration uh, for students to register to, it's a platform called Oasis, and within two hours, the class was pulled. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, I filed the grievance with uh, a union that I am a part of, uh, and uh, we had an opportunity to meet with Columbia College and grieve the situation. Uh, The first grievance was rejected, and the second grievance Uh, which was a few weeks ago, I met with uh, the interim provost. Her name is Louise Love, and um, she also would eventually uh, reject uh, the grievance. Now, Louise Love was a um, she was an associate provost a few years ago at Roosevelt University when a professor, uh, Giles, was fired because he uh, gave students the opportunity to talk about Zionism and criticize Zionism and, and look at the, the Palestinian uh, perspective. Uh, he was fired for that by his chair. Her name was Susan Wenninger, uh, who um, was uh, upset that this professor had given students a platform and an opportunity. In fact, she went as far as to call Palestinians animals. Um, she said that they don't have a side. It was Luis Love that was the associate provost there at the time who supported her, supported the firing, and, and said that she was simply defending her position passionately. And so there's a history of anti-Palestinian bias at Columbia College uh, at the top. And so um, what we did was uh, we, uh, the AAUP, the uh, um, American Association of University Professors, came in, conducted an in- independent investigation, and they found, that Columbia College had violated my academic freedom. Uh, And so uh, that was uh, recently published. And uh, in addition to that, we've had thousands of supporters around the world with our petition, a petition that uh, uh, asked for the reinstatement of the class, and it also uh, asked for Columbia College to respect academic freedom uh, when uh, it is relating to the issue of Palestine, which. Uh, has been a problem, not only at Columbia College, but other places around the country. In addition to that, we also received a letter uh, from Guy Davidie, who is one of the two uh, directors of Five Broken Cameras in support of this campaign, in support of academic freedom, and in support of discussion about Palestine, at Columbia College or any other place in the United States.
1: So I, this, this really strikes me as uh, interesting is how similar that sounds to, um, to, I don't know if you're familiar with this story, but it it was a a few months ago, there was a a, a female black professor at Minneapolis Community and Technical College that was actually reprimanded because of uh, two white students who complained uh, that her structural racism class was biased Um, But I just just wanted to throw out that observation because what you just said really, really struck me as similar to that. But also, um, I'm curious about uh, you mentioned uh, one of the people that was involved in sort of leading this attack against you, I guess. Uh, What about organizations? I mean, was the was the Hillel, the the college Hillel involved at all?
2: Well, I I, at this point, as far as the uh, allegation of bias is concerned for this last one there, there I don't know who this uh, student uh, is, and and I don't uh, want to know, I don't think that it's uh, important to identify the student, uh, at least uh, uh, in in public. But what I can tell you is is that there has been a history of um, attack on me at Columbia College uh, from Hillel in the past. Mm. And an example of that would be uh, a couple of years ago, uh, I had three sections of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict course And uh, before I knew it, there were eight students from three different sections of the class who had uh, put together a petition that claimed I was biased. Hmm. And I was puzzled to um, to try to figure out how these three, how these students from three different sections and eight of them were able to find each other Hmm. and um, and sign this petition and put it together. There has been an issue with with Hillel in the past at Columbia College. With uh, regards to that petition, uh, students that supported me, um, and they numbered, uh, I think that the the petition, I don't know the exact number, but it was over 50 students signed a counter petition expressing their support for uh, my class. And so I've had issues with Hillel before. Um, Another example would be last year, we we premiered five broken cameras to the public Mm. at Columbia College. And I was—I uh, um, spoke at that event along with uh, Lynn Pollack, who's from Jewish Voice for Peace. Uh, people at the college were demanding that a pro-Israel perspective be allowed to speak after five broken cameras, which I immediately rejected. Mm-hmm. And so there has been a push on the campus to try to stifle and try to muzzle and try to create, uh, uh, at the very minimum, this idea of, of what 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 has been called balance, which is a word, by the way, that has been thrown around a lot. And it's a word that uh, can be misleading because on the surface, it sounds pretty. Balance as a word sounds pretty, but the reality of it is you cannot balance the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, especially when you're dealing with a, uh, a nation state that has uh, all the power that is derivative of a state, mm-hmm. um, occupying uh, millions of people who do not have civil rights. It, it's like... Presenting the civil rights movement mm. and those who were against rights for human beings as balance—it's like giving them a a, a forum to um, to counter uh, why uh, uh, African Americans, for example, shouldn't have um, rights uh, and dignity and, and 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 freedom and so forth. And so uh, this this idea of balance was not asked of me for the first time when I met with this chair. It's been asked of me in the past. It's been asked of, of, uh, other professors around the country, uh, as well.
1: And I'm also curious about, you mentioned, um, earlier that you were counseled about what balance means, uh, or how to, how to balance. And I'm curious if they were, if you were offered any examples about what balance to five broken cameras would mean.
2: Well, I don't, I, you know, it's, 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 uh, It's a really good question. I I wasn't uh, given specifics Mm. as how one would uh, balance a uh, settler colonial state uh, versus uh, an occupied uh, people without any civil rights. Mm. So so, uh, historically, the idea has been to present the information as uh, sort of two sides that are fighting over land. And things are really bad and if they can only get along this is this is how it's been presented the reality of it however is that it's not that way in fact it's very uh, misleading to present it that way because it would be a lie the reality of the situation is that you're dealing with a uh, a state that is occupying another group of people and so what does occupation mean Uh, and and what, what does that mean for the Palestinian population? It's not a balanced issue. Right. Uh, you're dealing. You're dealing with a state that seeks exclusivity, uh, uh, Jewish exclusivity, on a territory where uh, historically, prior to the to the um, uh, ethnic cleansing of the Palestinians in 1948, the country was never exclusively Jewish, mm. and so the 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 Palestinian perspective has been muzzled. And it is beginning uh, and has been um, beginning to, to, to seep into mainstream society in terms of this is actually what happened. This is what's going on with the conflict today. And a lot of people don't like that. And you can see the ramifications of that. You see it at Columbia College. You see it at in, in Boston with uh, the SJP over there, you're seeing with Barnard, and there are other examples of professors, the one that I just gave you a little while ago, where the, the attempt to muzzle has, has, um, um, has been tried, but it is failing.
1: And also, I'm curious, well, what is your background?
2: I am uh, Palestinian. My, and is that uh,
1: well I I guess I, I assume so. Um <laughs> or at least some sort of, you know, Middle Eastern background. Uh and so I'm curious if that's played a role at all in the attacks on you is oh that he can't be, you know, he can't be balanced because look at his background. There's you know it's it's not possible.
2: Well, I've I've read, you know, I've I've seen uh, um some some uh uh <laughs> I've seen some uh, responses from students in the past that would that have said uh, something similar to that. Well, how could he be uh, saying uh, the the reality of the situation? After all, he is uh, Palestinian, and some people do uh, feel that way, and and I, that's due with with the information being presented in the class, which has been counter to the reality of uh, the the uh, presentation of the issue of Palestine and Israel. In, in, uh, in mainstream American media, uh, and so so there are a lot of students, and the majority of them realize this, and they say, "Wow, we we have an opportunity to really learn the reality of this issue." Mm. While some other people uh, will uh, say that uh, he's not teaching the 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 truth or the reality simply because he's Palestinian. So I've had I've heard that before.
0: Mm. That's interesting. <laughs> Now, a couple of questions I have before we end the interview is uh, just to make sure that everyone who's listening understands that the Illinois chapter of the American Association of University Professors did find that your academic freedom had, in fact, been violated. But what you're telling us today is that the college administration has not made any of the moves that were recommended by this chapter
2: well they they did make one move which was they reinstated the second section so okay. so what so what i see what i've seen and i saw this uh, um, yesterday um is that the college um decided to reinstate one of the sections so so for the fall so far what i see is two sections of the israeli palestinian conflict course and i will be teaching them so that it, it, that's wonderful, it's a good start. In addition to that, uh, there has to be a, a uh, there should be a um, uh, an assurance that this type of attempt at muzzling, that this type of uh, uh, discrimination uh, does not happen in the future at Columbia College. And so uh, thus far, however, we haven't seen uh, anything concrete uh, that the college has uh, uh, um, come out and stated uh, in reference to that, uh, they still they have uh, uh, not only uh, rejected my stance that this was an academic freedom violation they've rejected the aUP stance as well that this was an academic freedom violation, and so they have not come out and and stated that this is a problem that we 're going to look into and we 're going to try to rectify We have not seen that response from columbia college and it 's important that they that they um, come out and, and and try to create the mechanisms uh, both in word and in, in, in terms of uh, some tangible um, approaches to try to rectify the situation of this history of anti-Palestinian bias at Columbia College.
1: And I also want to I want to ask you one more question about. Um... The ramifications of these attacks on academic freedom are not isolated to Palestine activism or Palestine, even just not even Palestine activism, in your case, really just teaching the reality on the ground, uh, they that this has consequences on academic freedom for everyone, really.
2: Well, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you're absolutely right about that. And so can you, you know, you, you bring up an excellent point, because can you imagine a, a um, an African-American professor uh, teaching about the struggle for civil rights uh, for uh, um, African-Americans in the 1960s, and then having to having administration, which has a particular agenda, uh, demand that the African-American professor also give the side of white supremacists <laughs> in the United States during that period, or uh, people from the um, uh, queer community uh advocating for equal rights as far as marriage is concerned and then having someone uh in administration demand and say well you have to give the perspective of those who want to deny you those rights Mm -hmm. uh these these things when you put them into that context are uh ludicrous they're absurd and so this is um, um a clear uh violation of the ability of a professor to to who who has the background, who has the, 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 the skills to deliver information that is important and it needs to be heard without the threat of uh, muzzling. And so um, when you apply it to a much broader and a much larger context, it is very problematic. Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I do want to actually ask one more, one more thing about, um, and I, to, to end on a bit of a more positive note, uh, you know, this does seem to be this sort of ramping up of this attack on, on free speech on campuses across the country, really, when it comes to Palestine solidarity. Um, it does seem to be a reaction to a growing and effective and, and you know, increasingly successful movement to put out the Palestinian narrative uh, to the broader public and, uh, and, you know, a growing movement really against Israeli racism uh, and discrimination. I mean, it, it's, it does seem to be saying that they're, you know, so that they're scared.
2: Well, absolutely. I think it's a, it's a fighting retreat is, is what I call it. Yes. It doesn't work. Uh, when when people found out about what happened at Columbia College, people came out in the thousands to, to support me uh, and to support uh, uh, academic freedom. People from all over the world, people have mobilized here. They're also mobilizing in, in Boston in, to ensure that the SJP over there is reinstated and at Barnard and in other places. And so uh, it is a testament to, um, not only the reality and the truth on the ground in Palestine, but it is a testament to the to the will and to the to the skills of of people here uh, in the United States and across the world who are saying this that 's enough you You cannot keep uh, the reality of this um, terrible issue um, the 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 suffering continuous suffering of Palestinians for decades now uh, because there are individuals who want to muzzle that and so um, it is uh, a very positive occurrence that we we got the the, the class uh, reinstated, and, and it's excellent that the SJP in Boston is being supported, and that Barnard is also being supported. And so this is going to continue; it is not going to to stop. Whenever. Uh, Uh, People around the country feel that uh, there are those who will embrace this idea that uh, Palestine is indeed the exception to the rule of academic freedom. There are going to be tens of thousands of people who are going to come out and they're going to say, no, that's not the case.
1: So Kevin and I are here with uh Suha Najjar and Farah Arzuki who are co-chairs of uh, at the University of Michigan Students Allied for Equality or SAFE um as the acronym goes uh and they recently uh were involved in a really exciting and historic moment where uh they brought a divestment resolution to the central student government at the University of Michigan uh to divest from several companies that profit from the Israeli occupation. Um, The resolution was defeated, but it was still um, a really exciting, amazing moment. There was like 600 people in the room. I watched the live stream. It was really inspiring. So we're really, really excited to have you ladies on today. And I guess I wanted to start off by asking both of you, and either of you can address this, um, about the divestment resolution that you brought. You all... At at first, it was initially, like, they wouldn't even vote on it, right? And you all had, like, you staged a sit-in for, like, a week um, to get them to vote on it. So can you kind of explain
3: the backstory to that? Yeah, sure. Farah, do you want to go ahead,
4: or...? Yeah, um, so we presented a divestment resolution to the central student government. It was um, the week of, I think the date was March 18th. And um, so we were really prepared. I mean, we had spoken to student government representatives beforehand, and we held um, teach-ins and various different... um, Different um, events to kind of educate the campus community as well as the student government representatives about the issue of divestment, so we came in really prepared and um, we um, we came in that day and had hundreds of students come in with uh, supporting us and I think they were really overwhelmed because they didn't expect it to be as big as it was they didn't expect us to have as many supporters as we did and so we we went up there. Expecting that we were going to be presenting our divestment resolution to the central student government, and before we were even able to speak, um, a student government representative motioned to postpone the resolution indefinitely, which would mean that they would just table it and not discuss it and not take a vote on it. And this was really surprising to me, at least, because I didn't even know that that was a thing that could that could have been done. And it was it ha- all happened really fast and. So I think it was 21 student government representatives that voted um, to postpone indefinitely, and 15 said no. So they ended up postponing it indefinitely that Tuesday. And so... We were all really frustrated because we came in there ready to have the conversation, ready to have um, the discussion about divestment on our campus. And we were just completely shut out. We were silenced by them. And so um, out of that frustration, out of that um, desire to hold them accountable, we held a sit-in. And we had five um, different points of accountability that we wanted the student government representatives to address. And... um, so, one of them, for example, was to repeal the um, indefinite postponement of the resolution. One of them was to extend um, community concerns so that students wouldn 't have a cap on on how long they would be able to speak at the divestment resolution meeting or any CSG meeting because this is th- th- this is an opportunity for students to kind of um, speak to their own representatives and to put a cap on that is isn't really it 's pretty disappointing to me and um, uh, there were, there were a few other, um, demands that we had or a few other needs that we wanted to be met. And so we, we held the sit-in in the CSG chambers for, um, it ended up being a week long sit-in, so seven days. And, um, this was basically to hold them accountable. And then, um, at the next meeting, we, the next CSG meeting was the next Tuesday. And that's when we ended the sit-in because all of our demands were um, pretty much met. So I don't know if, Soha, you want to add to that?
3: No, I
1: think you covered it all. <laughs> Well, so I, let's, now let's talk about the actual vote because um, there was a very well organized. Uh, it seemed very on, like on message, coordinated effort to like to, to sort of spread disinformation by the speakers who spoke, which I think is sort of a trend that happens whenever these divestment resolutions come up, as these pro-Israel students like say the same sort of talking points (laughs) um so i could one of you i guess talk a little bit about the student groups or even the outside groups not just student groups that played a role in trying to influence the decision the pro-israel
3: groups so uh for the first time that we went to go um to the first uh, the original csg meeting um because of that influence that you know um uh zionist organizations on campus mainly Hillel, um has is that um they made us split the amount of people who could speak so only five of us could speak even though there were 300 of us in the room and five of them could speak even though there was only 20 so it was like non-representative at all mm-hmm. and so um the day of the meeting uh one thing that happened that was extremely unfair and something we kept telling the central student government and the administration that this is Completely unfair is that we asked one of our calls for accountability was so that um, we can have a 30 minute sort of like teach in where we could be guest speakers at the at the CSG meeting and so they automatically told us well okay well we have to invite Hilal too and we said you know that's fine okay um, and so we received news um, before that that there was a professor the professor that teaches the Arab Israeli conflict on campus um, that he was going to um, he was going to give the 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 30 minute lecture for Hilal that's what we understood and this is Lieberman V- Professor Victor Lieberman. Yeah. So um he's
1: not at all biased, right? <laughs> yeah, so apparently he's
3: just really impartial and even though he's a self-proclaimed Zionist, um he's really impartial. Uh, <laughs> and so um they they brought him to give 30 minutes and then we got 30 minutes, and then Hidal also got another 30 minutes. So they basically got an hour. And it was really shameful because, you know, students approached him. They went to his office. We sent him multiple emails telling him, don't do this. Like, you don't represent us. Like, we're telling you you're you're not impartial. Um, and he just refused to listen, and he ended up um, giving the, the talk anyway. So those were some of the obstacles that we sort of faced um, in terms of trying to to get this resolution passed. Like, I think I initially thought the obstacle was the fact that they made Hidal speak, but then when they added the extra extra speaker. Um, it was just obstacle after obstacle that was coming. And we knew that it was coming from these organizations. You know, we're just a bunch of students, you know, pro Palestine students, and we're dealing with this multimillion dollar institution.
1: Yeah. That's a good point. Cause I know like Max spoke on your behalf, right? Like that was the, that was the, that 30 minutes for you guys. And then I guess that that's true. There was two speakers that spoke for 30 minutes and said crazy things. So that's unfortunate and really unfair. You're right. Um, and I guess the other the other thing I wanted to ask you about is like the, the use of the use of the anti Semitism accusation to discredit and like smear uh, a Palestine activists like you guys and um I mean, that's something that that was happening even that night. Is a lot of people. I, there was the the president. The, or, he's running for president. I'm sorry, he's vice president now. Bobby Dichel is that his name? Yeah,
4: he won actually.
1: Oh, oh, he did. Oh, lovely. Okay, so now your yeah. new student body president or central student government yep. president um, basically stood up and like claimed that people from Safe were saying all these really nasty, like you know, anti-Semitic, dirty Jew type things uh, to him, or he was receiving messages from people from safe about that. And, and so can you talk a little bit about those kinds of accusations that are being leveled at you guys and like how that, imp- I mean, I know that, you know, that, that kind of stuff used to really silence people from Palestine solidarity activism, activism, but I don't feel like it does as much anymore. Uh, but it still does like affect people's reputations, right? Like when, you know, they're, they're smeared that way.
3: I just want to say something about Bobby Dishel too, is, um, I was, I was in um, a number of meetings, like with the administration and with the central student government um, throughout the week, trying to, you know, they were trying to negotiate things. And we're like, no, we have our five calls for accountability. And so one of the meetings when um, the dean, we we specifically asked Bobby Deschel to come and speak to the students inside the sit-in. We said, you're the vice president. You silence them. You need to come listen to what they have to say. Um, and so they took me into a room and then Bobby Deschel was there. And he said that someone had made an anti-Semitic um, slur um, towards him. Um, and so, um, we were like, uh, well, I don't think that person's in the room. Um, he said that she's not in the room. So he ended up coming in. And afterwards we had a meeting and he said, uh, and we made it very clear and he thanked us inside a private room about us being nonviolent and us being, uh, we haven't done anything. And the the administration was there. The administration sent out a statement saying all this. Um, and then he still, he still made that comment after he, you know, behind closed doors said, thank you. And then in front of the entire student body, he said that we were threatening. Um,
1: well, I found so it. Really, like... I find it really interesting too. That like there was all this attention paid to these really these these accusations that didn't seem to have any evidence behind them. Uh, like, nobody would provide any evidence, it seemed, or or provide any names of exactly who said this to them. Well, at the same time, there were people that were, like, making explicitly Islamophobic and anti-Arab remarks in their statements, and nobody seemed to really care. I mean, is that something on campus that you guys have tried to address, the fact that, like, it's, like, per, it seems perfectly fine that these student leaders are, are saying these really awful things about an entire people, uh, and it goes ignored?
3: Farah, did you, do you want to respond, or...?
4: Um, I mean, yeah, that's something that we've been seeing throughout the school year. So, for example, when we did the mock eviction notices um, in, in December, the administration acted really quickly, and they actually sent an email to the entire student body saying that if you felt uh, targeted by this. Um, go to, and they listed a list of um, resources, which and they included Hillel. So, and the mock evictions weren't targeting anybody. Obviously, they were just raising awareness about Palestinian evictions and home demolitions. And um, So it's just really ridiculous. Yeah, you see the institutional response um, to things like that versus us who we've been receiving like really explicit racist, um, targeted, um, hateful speech um, directed at us and there hasn't really been that institutional response. And I mean, even um, in the first place, the fact that we had to stage a sit-in, the fact that we had to um, demand that the administration met with us just to hear us, just to legitimize our um, and affirm our our sit-in and our calls for accountability and the hateful speech that we've been receiving. I mean, that just goes to show that um, there isn't, there's, isn't really a balance in the w- way that they, they deal with, like the accusations that Um, certain people receive. And also, it is, um, I mean, these claims of anti-Semitism, they don't necessarily stop people from um, engaging in Palestine solidarity activism, but it just, it's, we can't really say that is completely true because there are like lots of freshmen involved and there are lots of like new students coming in that want to be involved in Palestine solidarity work on this campus. But then when they see that these upperclassmen or anybody are being like targeted and being called anti-Semites or being called anything ridiculous like that, um, I think it definitely discourages them. And it's something that we're also afraid of. We don't, we don't want these students to be like, cause a lot of us are graduating. We don't want these younger students to be, um, to have to, like to have that precedent set for them that when they're going to be the leader, the next leaders on this campus, um, with this movement, like we don't want them to fear that they're going to be called names like this. We don't want them to fear that they're not going to be able to freely express themselves without, um, without, um, fear of, uh, this type of backlash. So it, it's something that we're, we are like worried about.
1: How about in terms of like, you know, cause I, there's this really concerted effort across the country on campuses to, to, to use this sort of like slander and smearing to, to shut people up. But then there's also this effort to, to do it through like, through sort of like legal means, I guess, by, you know, by, by filing, um, by filing like, you know, civil rights, (laughs) civil rights violation claims and stuff like that. I mean, have you guys experienced any of that or, or, has that happened at all in the university of Michigan?
3: for us i mean we're lucky compared to other campuses i mean northeastern like what they're going through is something that we we luckily don't have to deal with in terms of our university um doing shutting us down as an organization um and they made it clear that they wouldn't do that um but I think, um, and we've also taken proactive measures um, to prevent something like that. So I know one of our students who's in the law school. Um, set up a meeting with administration, telling them about what's going on around campuses, where um, you know these students are, are, are um, these um, lawyers and like these these Zionist institutions are are trying to file complaints like that and get students expelled. And so we warned them of that beforehand. So we took a few proactive measures. Um, but I know that when we did the mock eviction, the university was telling us that there were all these phone calls coming in from alumni, um, you know, donors to the university uh, saying that they want us expelled, saying they want our our, our, our student organization to be um, su- shut down. So, um, I mean, in the case of our university, they've made it clear that they wouldn't take any steps like that. But who knows in the long run what would happen. Uh, but I just want to encourage um, students from other campuses to really take those proactive steps and... Um, before they do do, do, um, things like mock evictions or, or sit-ins and stuff because every university is different.
1: Got it. And then also, you know, I just, I, lastly, I wanted to, I wanted to mention and, and sort of ask you about the fallout from this ridiculous article in the Washington Free Beacon about Mm -hmm. Yazan, uh, Kerala, is that how you say his name? Um, Well, he was basically, he was wearing, he, 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 they found a picture on his Facebook page of him wearing like a keffiyeh and stabbing or slicing a a pineapple and tried to say that the pineapple represented like Jews and that he was like, he was like specifically threatening like Israeli Jews. Um, and it was like this whole, you know, if anyone didn't see it, it was like, it was ridiculous, but it actually like made, made headlines. And got and like made you know the story made its way around the interwebs. and so I'm just curious like the fallout from that. I mean there is this does seem to be this effort to like take these really these things that have absolutely no relation whatsoever to the Israel- Palestine conflict
5: uh,
1: and try and use like pictures like this to smear students. I mean is this something that uh, you know that you guys are having to deal with and like how are
3: you dealing with it? So um, I don't know if you want to say anything, but I know that um, so we created a UM divest fan mail page um it's a tumblr where we sort of you know created some humor um out of some of the very ridiculous and racist and ridiculous things that we've seen um and uh so that's sort of the way we deal with it like on an intra-community level mm-hmm. you know between each other It's, um you know we want to first and foremost we want to make sure that everyone within our our space is safe um and that you know if they're ever threatened, like we have to make sure that that's the first thing that's dealt with um and then, in terms of like how we're dealing with it um uh, externally is um we you know we have to get the the narrative out there, so immediately like you know yazan he he sent his um narrative in the Michigan daily um and then the, he spoke to to Max and they had um you know that article so I think um having our narrative out there um is a way of, of dealing with that and also we've been pressuring the university um to take more again proactive measures because throughout the sit-in we told them from day one um on so on friday before the tuesday meeting uh we told the we told the university that you need to send out a statement Before anything happens, because we're going to go up, we're going to go in that room on Tuesday, and we're going to be targeted by everyone on this university, by people who don't agree with us, um, and something like that is going to happen. We specifically warned them, and we told them, you need to send the statement out now, and we expressed our urgency. It took them five days. They didn't release the statement until the day of. So we're trying to hold. I mean, if they released a legitimate statement, um, I think that that could have been prevented. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's what we're trying to do in that case, and then also, you know, just making sure that Gazan's okay um, and how we can clear his story.
1: And I guess finally, um, you know, despite all the negative stuff, uh, this does seem to be, you know, the conversation has changed in the past few years. And I mean, I was like really impressed with what you guys did and it was like really inspiring. So I guess like what, I mean, on the, uh, in the positive aspects of all this, I mean, do you see moving forward do you see this, uh, do you see divestment eventually passing?
3: Um, well, but I don't know if you want to respond. Um, I, I, absolutely. I think that, um, in the long run i mean i came here i'm a senior uh, this is my fourth year here uh, my freshman year uh we would have never been able to get our michigan our our newspaper to to support us to send out and they wrote a letter um from the from the daily um in support of our, our of our um, divestment resolution. Um, We would have never had a conversation like this where we had, you know, thousands of people tuning in. We would have never had 36 organizations on this campus signing on with us in solidarity. Um, So I just looking at how much has changed in the four years that I've been here. um, I'm really hopeful that in the next, even like, one or two years, there will be a big change. Until eventually, uh, we can actually push not only our student government to, to pass to pass divestment, but our university to actually divest.
1: So, Kevin and I are here with Tori Perrell from. She is the president in exile. Of uh, a Northeastern student for Justice Students for Justice in Palestine chapter. Uh, and so if you're not familiar with that story, the SJP at Northeastern was recently suspended. So Tori, why don't you tell us what happened?
6: Sure. So uh on March 7th, we received a letter from the administration saying that SJP had been suspended. We could no longer access any university resources, book rooms. Um And this was effective through the end of the year, and then they would think about potentially reinstating us in the future with none of the same members who are in the group now. Um, And this is a result of an action we did about a week before when we distributed mock eviction notices Um, in student dorms. They said, eviction notice at the top, and then went on to give uh, statistics about Israeli home demolitions in the occupied West Bank. And uh, And this is is like to make this is to basically show people
1: the, you know, the fear um, that comes with being a Palestinian uh, of, you know, getting a letter saying you're about you're, you're going to be evicted and your home, demolished in a couple
6: days. Right. It's a little exercise in giving people a small, tiny taste of what it might be like to come home one day and find your entire residence and existence criminalized and arbitrarily. Right.
1: Okay. And I mean, and and on the, to be clear, like on the eviction notices, it's not like it's, it's made
6: clear on them that this is not real. Yeah. The biggest text on the flyer was this is not a real eviction notice.
1: And so, and so this is like, these were like flyer. I mean, they basically like flyers, basically leafleting. Mm -hmm. And this was, the university said that this was like illegal or called the
6: police or (laughs) so. There was like (laughs) insanity that took place. So yeah. Tell us what happened after that. Right. So uh, two days after we did this leafleting, uh, those of us who were involved started getting phone calls on our private cell phones from the Northeastern police. Um, Several students were pulled in for interrogations and the police showed up at some people's homes unannounced. Um, And they just had all kinds of questions about SJP, mostly as an organization, not even necessarily regarding the flyers. Um, The students who were interviewed uh, first and actually the only students who were interviewed have very obviously sounding Arab or Muslim names, uh, whereas students without Arab or Muslim names were not interviewed, even though some of us are on record with the university as being leaders in the group. Um, and then so all kinds of charges were leveled against the organization in the suspension notice. The only thing they charged us with relating to the flyers was distributing an unauthorized flyer. Um <laughs> but they also threw a bunch of other charges in there that they'd never previously raised with us like, all the way up to like sorry. vandalism from 2012 vandalism well, what was that for What was the... they in 2012 some stickers appeared around campus with pro palestinian messages on different locations one that was particularly controversial was someone placed a sticker that said zionism is racism on a statue of a man who has donated a lot of money to the university, Robert Showman, who is also on the board of the Zionist Organization of America. So the major campus controversy, but the university doesn't know who did it and is simply accusing SJP based ah. on the fact that we are also pro-politics.
1: And stickers are vandalism as well. So obviously. Apparently. obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's crazy. So. What so now? So basically, now you guys are are suspended. Uh, and one thing that I thought was really interesting was like the the charge leveled against you guys for the leafleting part or the flyers, unauthorized flyers. It's something that doesn't mm-hmm. get uh, something that's like a, not a rule that gets enforced ever,
6: right? No, yeah. Any student who's lived in a dorm at our university will tell you you get flyers under your door every single day from sports teams, from theater groups, from restaurants, from other things. And it's never taken seriously. Um, so this rule may be on the books, but obviously uh, when the rugby team does this, they don't get the cops at their door the next morning.
1: And I guess that goes to the people involved in, um, it, well, the people who were angriest about this, who made the most noise about this, which would be, I, I'm, I, if I'm, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but like the, the school's uh, Hillel organization and like other mm-hmm. pro-Israel organizations. Can you talk a little bit about their influence with this?
6: Hillow at uh, Northeastern released a statement shortly after the notices went up say, like very dramatically stating the students were terrified and really thought they were being evicted and this was causing intimid- widespread intimidation. And we have no doubt that they're the ones who complained to the university to- and triggered all of this. It's especially evident because when the university sent out, um, messages to the students who lived in the dorms they said that if any students had been affected by this that they could contact Hillel for support um, not any kind of organization that's actually affiliated with the university like counseling services but um, Hillel and uh, also the pro-zionist group uh, Huskies for Israel has come out and applauded our suspension since it was handed down
1: and what has the um what has the the atmosphere been like since then with uh with, I mean, you guys are still doing stuff. I know, I, know, I and mean, you're suspended, mm-hmm. you can't like, you know, rent rooms, I guess, but what mm-hmm. do you, you, know, are you guys are still doing actions or, or, you know, meeting up and stuff like, has there, has there been
6: further suppression efforts? So we've actually had a tremendous outpouring of support from other student groups since we've been suspended, uh, primarily the progressive student Alliance, but other groups, the, the climate divestment group on campus, the Latino Student Association, everywhere to the debate club and the CHESS team have really rallied around this and said that they will help us with anything we need related to the university. Um, so, for example, this week, we hosted a uh, Palestinian author, Ali Abunima. Um The space was booked through another student organization and it was officially hosted by them, but it really wasn't an, uh, an event on our behalf. And on that same night, we also hosted a large demonstration uh to protest the six Israeli Knesset members that the university was hosting in a town hall meeting in the university's largest auditorium that night.
1: <laughs> that's interesting. Knesset members who, you know, Palestinians on campus have a legitimate reason to probably fear <laughs> <laughs> can come to campus, right? But SJP can't. Um that's really great though. That's really great that there's been so much uh rallying around you guys. And I'm curious also like if you've if you've um you know if, if you've gotten support from Uh, other universities, like, or students on other university campuses? Because, I mean, this is sort of a a nationwide thing right now with these kinds of suppression efforts. I mean, it's probably most extreme at your school, but it's happening, it seems, everywhere.
6: Absolutely. We've had a tremendous amount of support from the other SGP's here in Boston. Um, They've done everything they can to come out to our events and support us and while we've been organizing against this. Um, particularly Harvard, because they kind of went through similar things last year when they did the same mock eviction notice action. Of course, they weren't suspended, but uh, they also faced some kind of discipline. Um, But we've also gotten messages of support and direct support from SGPs across the country, such as Barnard, who faced uh, discipline right around the exact same time we were suspended, um, as well as students in Florida who we were already... Uh, in solidarity with, because we both were disciplined last spring for similar walkouts of events with idF soldiers, so there really is a nationwide pattern, and uh, there 's also a pattern of solidarity
1: and are you uh, like are are you noticing are you, what year are you? I'm a fifth year. Okay, so you're like, I mean, so you're you know not going to be there much longer. Um, nope. I assume there's like younger people that are involved in this kind of activism. I mean, do you feel like this is you know kind of pushing people away from being involved in Palestine solidarity activism,
6: or not really? I, <laughs> I think the biggest fear that students have always had about getting involved with Palestinian activism on campus is that they would face some kind of sanctions at the university, that it would endanger their status. And uh, in addition to the suspension of SJP, the university targeted two of our youngest members for individual disciplinary sanctions. which was a clear message of intimidation uh, to students who may want to be involved in SJP. However, due to our strategic organizing, um, even though these students were once threatened with expulsion for these activities, uh, their eventual punishment was to write 500-word essays about the importance of housing policy.
1: Oh my gosh, are you I serious? I did
6: there. not know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so the university intimidation efforts really aren't working, and we've shown that The students who are in SJP are our family, and that we're not going to let anything happen to them, and that the university attempting to single them out and intimidate them is just not acceptable.
1: And will you guys be reinstated soon? Like, how's that going to
6: work out? (laughs) Hopefully. Um, Our campaign uh, has gone extremely well. This issue has resonated nationwide, and there's been an intense amount of pressure on the university. Um, we're still waiting on the results of our administrative appeal of our suspension. So if the university wants to do the right thing and really is feeling the pressure that we've put on, uh, hopefully we will be reinstated very soon. And if not, we will have to kind of explore our options for what to do next.
1: Um, that, I, mean, I, mean, that's, I mean, that's all really exciting. As much as, you know, this all sucks, it's also really exciting that it's that inspiring that so many people have have your back which is great right
6: um, yeah we would have never reached this many people with our message if we hadn't been facing sanctions so it really kind of was a gift in that
1: respect that's that's ironic um that it worked out that way do you have anything you want to ask kevin
0: no i think we've you, you covered it all with her so i'm I'm glad that you were able to join us thank you for talking to us
6: thank you for having me
1: yeah you're awesome Tori. keep up the great work